You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's a member of our team with this week's message. It's amazing that to know God loves you, but also I found out that God loves me. Isn't it amazing that we say God loves you? You know, you tell us about God loves you, right? But have you ever said lately, God loves me? And, and it's important that you find that you recognize that God loves me. How about looking at your neighbor and telling him, God loves you, and I'm trying. Do that for just a second, okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I always like to start off with a little something. I like true stories. Uh, Pastor Rick made an allusion that I tell a lot of stories, and I think he said something like some of them were true. But the idea behind it is I love a good story, and uh, this one happened uh, a week or so ago, going up toward uh, Caroline and Justin's house. Are y'all back there? Yeah, I see them waving around. And it's kind of crazy. Y'all may have heard, it, heard about it, but on the way, on northbound going to 65, they found 106 dead crows on the interstate, right there close to their exit. And it was kind of weird, and so... They called the police. The police come up and block everything off, and they started collecting the birds, and they called the, the health department, and then they started looking at it, and they said, this is crazy. So many birds killed in one spot like that because they were over some kind of something in the road. And anyway, they got hit. And so uh, they were so baffled, they called in uh, the ornithologist. I like, anybody know what an ornithologist is? It's kind of like they check on birds. You know, they know about birds. I like ornithologists because it's like gymnasium and mayonnaise. Anything over 10 letters is really impressive if you use it, okay? So they called the ornithologists in, and they started checking, and they realized that something strange happened. So they started taking samples off their beaks, paint and stuff, and then some fractured glass and things like that. And Well, one thing led to another, and the ornithologist said, well, it's obvious they were killed by trucks, only trucks. And... And so they did more studies and more studies, and it come to find out the final ruling was it was definitely all those 106 crows were killed by trucks. And they said, how could they justify it? He said, well, while a crow can holler out, ca, 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 they can't say truck, truck, truck. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's, uh, uh, get it, Rick, car, truck, it, yeah, it's okay. We're going to start this morning. We're talking about the motivational gift of teaching. Teaching is a unique thing because it's, it's kind of a mandate. It's, it's not like something that says, well, we need to do this. Or, no, this is a mandate. We're going to start in Matthew. I think it's chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And it says, then Jesus came to them and talked about the disciples, right? And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And uh, what's the next word? Yeah, teaching. This is part of his commandment right here. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you even to the very end of the age. So the things that came through the Great Commission to you and I was we baptize and we do what? teach baptize and teach apparently it was a big thing for jesus in his in, in his uh mission to the kingdom principles that teaching got out there uh teaching i like i like greek uh, it's it's kind of a unique language i don't know much greek there's a couple of nice ones down on 
11th Avenue in Birmingham. But anyway, the idea behind Greek is a good thing, but it's just a finite language. And the word didasco in the Greek simply means uh, one who uh, uh, gives instruction or helps with instruction. And I got thinking about that. How many of us are teachers? And so, you know, this, the gift of teaching is unique. And we find it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And it's talking about the fivefold ministry gift. Pastor Rick went over this a few weeks ago. And so there's some basic understanding of what they are. And then what is that in Ephesians 4, 11? So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers as gifts for what reason? He gives them to the body to help do what? To help develop it, to help increase it, to help fortify it, to help strengthen it, to help make it what it's supposed to be. So it's to equip the saints for the work of ministry and build up the body of Christ. This last several weeks, Pastor has been what, teaching. Isn't that what he's been doing? He's been teaching us on gifts and fruits. And I believe it has to do with uh, kind of a unique uh, understanding of putting on the whole armor of God. Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God so that we'll be able to stand against the wiles or the cunningness or the schemes of the devil. So what it, why is it that we need the whole armor of God? Well, you'll have to help me because I'm not looking at it, but it's the shield, it's the breastplate, it's the loins, it's the shoes, it, it's, it's uh, I don't know if I, what I lost, the helmet, shield, breastplate, loins, shoes, and it's got a, the word of God, which is a sword, which is the word of God, right? So when you have all those things, you're in pretty good shape for protecting and equipping yourself against what the devil is trying to come against you with. Well, I kind of looked at that and I said, you know, that's unique because the gifts are the same way. Not everybody has every gift. We'll talk about that. But the thing about it, every gift is needed so that we'll have the full armor of God. Why? Because the devil is attacking the church. Have y'all noticed that, by the way? Yeah, it's his job, so don't be, don't be, wow, the devil's doing that? Well, that's his job. The thing about it is the gates of hell will not prevail against this church, not just this body of believers here, but the church universal. But it must take everything that's, 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 uh, that's given to it and allocated for it. So what we have here is putting on the whole armor of God. This guy named Sam Mathhouse says it this way. It helps kind of define the gifts in this way, and I think it's up here, it says the apostle lives with leaders. You've heard of people called apostles before? Well, apostles, uh, nowadays, just about anybody can be called apostle, but literally an apostle is one who plants or, or sends out and establishes works for the, for the kingdom of God. But apostle is interested in developing leadership. So when you see a true apostle, you know what he's doing? He's not going to the masses, he's working with leaders, and that's his job. Well, he gets down to the prophet, and this guy lives with God. Anybody know any prophets? I know a few, and there's not many, but I know a few, and believe it or not, they do. They camp out with God. It's just about God. It's just about they want to be in God's presence to hear what's on God's heart. It's a great need for the church today. And then we have the evangelist. This guy is really unique, isn't he? And you know what he does? He lives with who? He lives with the lost. And his concern is that there's somebody not knowing Jesus. There's somebody's life and eternity is in question. And he's concerned about that. So that's what he wants to do. He wants to live with the lost. And then you have this pastor guy. Anybody know a pastor? Boy, he wants to be with people. He just loves people and he wants to, his whole, his whole emphasis is about people. Wants everybody to come along. Not just some, but he wants everybody. He's a shepherd, isn't he? 
And then you have this last one that's listed. It's the teacher. And he lives in the Word. He lives with the Word. You know, we teachers, because that's what they do. Uh, I, I know several of you in here are teachers that live in the Word because it's what you want to talk about. It's what you want to talk about your latest uncovering and nugget that you found when you dug in the Word. And that's what teachers do. So that's the fivefold ministry. And so my question this morning is, how many teachers do we have in here this morning? How many teachers do we have in this morning? You don't have to raise your hand. But let's look at a scripture here and let's find out what it says. Are all apostles, question mark? Is that a question he's asking? You know, there again, in the Greek, it's kind of unique, but it's, uh, it's may panta, not all. It's not a question, it's a statement in the actual text. Not all are teachers. And what else does it say? Not all are prophets, not all apostles, not all are teachers. Do all work miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer is no. Not all are these gifts. So my goodness, what are we talking about a gift of teaching for if not everybody's got it? Well, not everybody is a teacher, but everybody's a teacher. <laughs> isn't, isn't that crazy? Isn't it sometimes how we can confuse things? It's a little bit confusing, but it's really not. Not everybody has the fivefold anointing to be that special teacher that allocates every word and every, every nuance of the word in, in pragmatics and all the hermeneutics and homiletics and all those great things. That's not what you are. But everyone can and is a teacher. It's kind of like uh, everybody has the ability to guide, lead, or instruct others with a goal or a purpose. Mamas, you believe that? <laughs> and, and daddies, do you believe it? Because that's what you do. Sometimes we, we do things that we don't even realize what we're doing. I kind of look at it like having a toolbox theology. Uh, we talk about all the gifts, and then we find out not everybody's got all the gifts, right? Well, is God a limited God? Anybody would agree? Would anybody say God's a limited God? No, God's unlimited. He can do whatever He wants to, right? So, what if I'm on the way to somewhere and I see someone that needs healed because they've been in an accident or an onset of a quick illness or something, right? And so I look down and I say, I'd really love to help you, but I got to get to teaching. Oh, sorry. Talk to you later. Do we do that? Is God so limited? You know what? I believe that what happens, I believe in two-box theology, that somehow or another every one of us carry around this two-box like a maintenance guy. And even though I don't have the gift of healing, you know what I believe I can do? I can set the box down, open it up, and say, well, I believe I can pray over this person. And so automatically I become a healer, right? Not that I heal, but that I'm a, 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 a part of the process of bringing that person's health. So I believe it's the same way with teaching, with prophecy, with preaching, with uh, apostleship, with all of it, because not everybody is, but everybody is, okay? We have specialties. I, I thank the Lord I went to a specialist, and he did some crazy things and run wires and tubes and stents and balloons and all that stuff. And uh, I believe I could do it now because I watched him do it on TV. It's simple, something real simple. But isn't it good to know you've got a specialist in some areas but isn't it good to know you got a paramedic sometimes? Isn't it always two pair of <laughs> Sorry, okay. Okay, so on we go. But uh, the nature of a teacher is to be a communicator. A communicator. And communication is a unique thing because communication is not only one way. Uh, pastor did this thing on prayer, I think it was last week, and then 
Uh, we've had our Wednesday night, our uh, grow groups has been on, on prayer lately. And it's amazing because we found out that prayer isn't just besieging the, the court of God with, with uh, information or requests or needs, but it's stopping and listening. And communication is not only speaking, sometimes it's listening. And so communication is a big part of being a teacher. But more than communication, there has to be this thing of modeling. You know what modeling is? It means that, that you're an example, that you're a pattern. And that's what great teachers do. They not only tell, but they do. And that's what God is looking for in the kingdom of God, especially when it's building up for our purpose and our, our assignment that God has given us, that we have this ability to model, example, and pattern. Anybody remember the milkman delivering? I can't really see anybody. Raise your hand if you, if you had a milkman deliver. Oh, gosh, not many. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's dating or what, okay? We had, we'd had this guy drove up in a little white truck. It's back in the 50s, but I can remember he'd come up and he'd have a little case and he'd have two milks and an orange juice. And he'd set it on the step outside the house and then he would leave. I thought, what a kind man he is. <laughs> Didn't realize we had to pay for it. But at the same time, he, he, was, he did that. Well, anybody have a paper boy? You may still have. I don't know. Do they still have paper boy deliveries? How about a mailman? We still have those. They're, they come by and stick stuff in the box. You know, what is their job? What is their task? Isn't it just delivery? Isn't it, don't they just bring something? And somewhere or another, we get confused. Our humility gets confused with the gifting sometimes. But you know what a teacher is? Nothing but a paper boy. Nothing but a milkman. It's, it's simple because what, we just deliver. And so what happens is we come to find out that teaching is vitally important. But you know what's more important than teaching? Somebody say learning. Yeah, can I learn for you? <laughs> Isn't that kind of hard to do? And, and that's the problem we have. Anybody remember the parable of the sower in the Bible? The parable of the sower? And it literally says, a man went forth sowing, right? So what was his job? Sowing, sowing. And so the parable went forth sowing seed, it says. So he has a job and he has the, the ability to give something out within that job. So he goes forth, but do you remember where he sowed? Does anybody remember if it was different classifications of where he sowed or what he did? Some was good soil, some was rocky, some thorny. You remember all that? So really when you get down to it, it wasn't the parable of the sower at all, was it? But it was more the parable of the soil. So when it comes to teaching, it's kind of like throwing a net. You can throw a net. We do that a lot when we fish down in the Gulf and different places, and even if we get bait fish up here on some of the rivers, we take and we throw a net. And it is vitally important that you throw it out there because you're liable to get some bait fish to use to catch bigger fish, right? But when you throw it out there, if you're not careful, as soon as that net hits the water, the fish will go. So it's not the throwing, it's not the casting, it's what stays to be, in, to be entangled by the net. It's teaching is that way. We can put it out there, but if you don't receive it, then you know what happened? It's not the soil, it's not the sower, it's not the seed, but it's the soil. So what we're trying to do is help us understand that teaching is about the same thing. It's not all about teaching, but it's a lot about the learner. Uh, can you teach integrity? Can you teach honor? Can you teach morality? The answer is really no. Now, you can tell people the values, and you can say, if you do this positively, this will happen, but if you do this negatively, this will happen. 
But you can't teach these things. They have to be learned and acquired. And that's what the gift of teaching does. It puts these things out in such a way as that people can make better choices off of them. As a gifted teacher, we can model those characteristics and make a much better presentation of the gospel. Uh, I forget exactly how the quote goes, but he says, I can't hear a, a word you're saying because of the way you're living. And, and, and guys, that's us. That's what's happening in the world today. It's not like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. It's are we representative of the nature that can change this world into the image of God. And that's what God wants us to do. The life of Paul is proof of this. In Philippians 4, 9, it says this, What you have learned, received, seen, and heard in me, those things do. Oh, my goodness. Did you realize Paul said that watch me do what I do, hear what I say, learn what I teach you, and when you do, you know, these things will be in effect in you, and you will be complete in what God's calling you to do. Paul's a great example of a teacher. Uh, we have a pretty good example in Jesus Christ. I looked it up, and 60 times Jesus is directly confronted by someone calling him teacher. 60 times. And I thought to myself, my goodness, why did they call him that? Because from the time he entered ministry, whatever age that was, 27, 30, 33, whatever, that's what he did. He reflected he commented, he taught, but he modeled the life of a Christian. That's the true teacher. The gift of teaching, though, is generational. Anyone know what generational is? It, generate has to do with flow and energy, right? So generation has a continuation. So teaching being generational is important for us to understand that it has to happen in a unique way that continues. Uh, have you thought much about our education system the way it is? Uh, we start off with, what, kindergarten, and then we go on to uh, grammar school, middle school, high school, college. Anybody wonder why we start them out so young? Why we keep continuous education in front of them for so many years? Well, somebody thought about it, man, if we get this thing fixed early, we can get it done, right? <laughs> yeah, because they said once it gets late. James Dawson made a quote years ago, and he says, children are like wet concrete. Better get the forms ready before it sets up. And that's what where our generational teaching comes to tell us, that we need to, to get this out here. And the reason behind teaching, I think, comes from what we call the Abrahamic Covenant. Anybody know the Abrahamic Covenant? It's a unique thing because God's got all these people to choose from, and he's needing his plan to go on. He's needing faith to increase. He's needing teaching. He's needing this value system to keep going. The Abrahamic Covenant is found, I think it's, where's it at? It's in Genesis 18, 19. It says, God says, For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. God looked everywhere, and he found a guy named Abraham. He says, I know he'll teach his children and his children's children. And if you look at it close enough, it says those children's children's children. And what it was, God says, this is a generational thing. And if I can get my people to start generationally teaching, it can change the world. Yeah. Folks, it did. It changed the world. And it's not over with yet. It's on a continuance of a change. I've chosen him that he'll teach his children. Teaching is a unique gift. It, to present it accurately, 
one must have humidity. There's nothing wrong with being a mailman, a milkman, or a paper boy. Okay? Just deliver the goods and do some praying that it finds good soil. Amen? And that's what we're after in the teaching gives us, is hoping that we can develop a good soil for these words to be brought in. Great teachers do more than inform and instruct. Great teachers do more than inform and instruct. A great teacher disturbs thought. You ever had your thought disturbed? I remember in college, a professor in our religion class, he came in and he says, the death penalty is not scriptural. He says, go prove me right or wrong. And that's the way he ended the class. And so a lot of people did nothing because they didn't really care. But when, when I heard the death penalty was unscriptural, I said, well, wait a minute. What is he saying? And somebody says, well, the scripture says thou shalt not kill, so you can't do it. And so you know what happens to me as a young man? I'm thinking, well, it does say thou shalt not kill, but what does it really say? In the literal scriptures, that thou shalt not murder. And I thought to myself, well, that's different than don't kill. And so we got to have some great discussions over the years. But what my professor did, he shook my mind and says, what, are you, what, are, what is your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Are you thinking because somebody said so? And this morning I'd like to ask you, why do you think the way you think? I was a Methodist because my mom and dad were Methodist. That's, I mean, that's the way it went. Had a drug problem. Y'all knew that, I guess. They drugged me to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. <laughs> Yeah, and that's just the way it was back in those days. And that's what I was. And I love the Methodist. I love the Wesleyan concept, the background. I love all that. But there came a time in my life when I said, why am I a Methodist? And so we won't go down that road. But the idea behind it is I had to do some thinking and checking. I said, well, there's some great things here, but, and this is awful good, but. And so when you come to a place where you start learning what is being taught, teaching adds information to decision-making. One of my wise mentors, one time I told him I had done something, and he says, well, is that all you knew? I said, yeah. He said, well, you made a great choice. I said, but you don't understand. It didn't turn out good. He said, don't matter. You made a good choice. I said, how can you say that? He says, if you make a choice based on only the information you've got, it's the best one you can make. Wow. And so I got thinking, well, I did good. He said, well, you could do better. <laughs> so the idea behind it is the more information you have, what? the better ability you have to make a better choice. And that's what we do as teachers, not just five-fold ministry, but the motivational gift. We help give people information to make better choices in their life. Yeah, this is okay. This is better. This is best. Anybody been to Sears Roebuck? Well, that was a few years ago. Uh, the Sears Roebuck had good, better, and best. Do anybody remember that? On their tools, I'm talking about, basically. And, and so, imagine I go in there and I buy the good one because it's the cheapest, right? But if you spend a little bit more, you get one better. And if you spend a little bit more, you get one best, and it's a lifetime warranty. But I said, why would anybody want to pay all that much money for the same tool? But to find out it's the best you can get, and it so the better the information you have, the better choices you can make. Teaching isn't about all the teacher, but it's about the ones being taught. It's about the body of Christ, its health, and its purpose. Does anybody remember the purpose of the church? It's called redemption of mankind. Seek and save that which is lost. Destroy the works of the devil. There's very, the job description is really narrow to be a Christian. We don't have a lot to do. 
But our job is to teach people the values and the process and the purpose of the church. And as that gets out there, it changes everything. It changes everything. God is interested in achieving a purpose and a goal. What is your purpose and what is your goal? What is your assignment? And sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper to find out what your assignment is because it's not laying on top of the table. I, I, it's kind of like gold. We, we watch some crazy thing about gold rustlers or gold diggers or something like that. Anyway, they, they go into Alaska and they go into uh, Australia and they dig and they dig and they dig and they dig and they get a little bitty piece like that and they go crazy. Boy, look at this, you know. And they dig for it. And I thought, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Because we have the Word of God. And it's like gold. All we got to do is a little bit of digging. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at Church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.